0: DrLisaO.com. Click the shop link or click the link below. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com. You know, my entire philosophy here is to help make healthy living simple. So, if I find something that I love, you can bet I am going to share it with you because if it's made my life easier, I know it's going to make your life easier too. So, I want to introduce to you one of my favorite companies. If you're in my private Facebook group, Ketone Your Health, you know all about this company because I've been raving about them for years. And if you're not over there, Find us. It's ketone, as in own, your health. So K-E-T-O-W-N, your health. You can search that out. We'd love to have you there. But my favorite company that has transformed my healthy living life so much easier is Paleo Valley. So my sister introduced me to this company years ago because my niece loved their products. They have grass-fed beef sticks and they have turkey sticks that are pasture-raised. So you're not gonna have all the additional hormones. It's a clean protein. How amazing is that? And they're easy to travel with if you need a snack for the kids in the car, whether I'm in the office and I need a snack or if I am doing a really strict little carnivore stint, these are amazing. They're my favorite products there. They've got some really great protein bars as well. They have some really great supplements, including organ meat capsules, because I think so many people understand the benefits of eating organ meats. However, how many people love to cook them, process them, or whatever, right? So it's a lot easier sometimes just to take the capsules. So you can find out more about Paleo Valley over on my website, drlisao.com forward slash So that's D-R-L-I-S-A-O dot com forward slash P-V as in Paleo Valley. And if you use the code that's on that website, you can save 15% as well. Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is Christian Elliott. You may have seen his wildly successful article earlier this year. It was about 18 reasons why he wouldn't be getting the Something or other. So I'm excited to really deep dive into this conversation today because I think he's going to have some fantastic information. I remember when his article came out because everybody started sending it to me, asking me if I had seen it and if I knew about the information, and it was pretty much the same path of information that I had found over the course of the last, however, many years of being in private practice. So I want to ask him a lot of good information that way, and I can't wait to hear his responses. But Christian is the CEO of True Whole Human, where he and his wife have helped thousands of people achieve their health and physique goals. Since 2005, Christian has also done over 15,000 hours of one-on-one coaching sessions with his clients. He also runs a popular blog titled Deconstructing Conventional, which has been featured on Men's Fitness, Huffington Post, CBS, and many other major outlets. You can find him at truewholehuman.com and deconstructingconventional.com. Hey there, rockstar. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while, trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant, best version of you. Are you ready? Let's do this. My guest today, I'm pretty excited to have here. I saw an article come through Probably when was that? A year ago? Gosh, it's been everything. I feel like 2020, 2021 is this huge hodgepodge mess, right, Christian? (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. What year are we in? What month is it in? For sure. So there was this great article that came through, and I think this group here is going to absolutely love it. Uh, But you wrote an article that really went viral everywhere um, about the 18 reasons why you were not going to get this uh, injection. So, (laughs) what prompted you to even start writing? I mean, I think it's one of those things that those of us that have been talking about these things, we've always been uh, ostracized about it, but man, this is a hot topic right now. And I even just got off the phone with somebody that's like, we, we've we all made our decisions. We've done our research. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So- well, it, uh, so the, I guess the impetus for the article was a, a few different things. One was buying back some of my time. I had clients that I shepherd or friends that have somehow learned to trust me, but health information. So they were curious, my thoughts on this jab. And so, Rather than writing more emails and copying old emails and pasting links, I just thought maybe it would be simpler if I just put all this in one place and posted it. So there's also that aversion to like, oh, do I really want this out there? Like the the potential blowback, or do I want is this a fight I want to pick? It's such a hornet's nest. Yes. And there was a, a stewardship issue. There was, I felt like the conversation was very one-sided. And all you get from mainstream media is what you're supposed to think. And then the the volume of censorship is really what that and a couple of the people just nudging me to like, you need to, somebody needs to speak up. So um, I have the, I guess I had a humble platform at that point. I have a few more people follow me now, yes. but um, yeah, it, it was just a, you know, a, a will to say something I thought was worth saying and to try to do it as fairly and level-headedly non-combatively as possible. And so I just put out what, this is what makes sense to me and why I can't reconcile this what they call a vaccine, um, being injected into my body.
0: Yeah, and it's totally like, um, for those of us that really did a bunch of deep diving research into this, this is not necessarily in the context of what a normal vaccine would be. Yes, nothing um, about it is typical. (laughs) No. And so I think that's where, um, conversation I was having with just another colleague. It's like, we can try to like incentivize and do whatever it is. But those of us that did our research, it's not that we're idiots on this. Like we actually are looking at this from a physiological standpoint. And there's Mm -hmm. a, there's a reason we've taken this stand. So that's something that I just decided with a podcast. Like this was a high ranking podcast. And I was like, we've got to get the message out Mm -hmm. because it's one of those things that like, you just hit the nail on the head, talking about the mainstream media, they're giving you one side of the story. And if that's all people are getting the information, like people don't even know about bears. you know, my community, we've been talking about bears for 20 years, more than I guess, 30 years, I've been in practice for 20, but now at least bears is a common word that people understand, but then there are some people that still don't even realize like, this is a CDC website that you can go and look at adverse reactions. <laughs> like
1: Right. Well, most doctors, I, I would say, did not know about it until this happened. I don't know. I've lost track now of how many different medical professionals I've seen interviewed who, before COVID started, didn't even know VARES existed, let alone knew how to enter any information in it or what it would tell people or how dramatically underreported it is and how inefficient the system is. So, yeah, there's, there's so many angles at which we could talk about this, but our, our current, I guess, political social environment is is to your point we've we've made our decisions about this so now i kind of look at it there's four different camps there's the camp of people who have taken it willingly there's the people who have taken it reluctantly then there's the people who met who may yet be coerced into doing it because it just becomes unpalatable to all the resistance but then there's the group of people who are no way in the world am i getting Mm -hmm. this and our challenge now is how do we actually talk to each other because we can all agree we definitely want COVID to be over. We are beyond fed up with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think part of our mutual challenge, and this is what one thing I'm, t- I'm trying to work at, how would I make an update to this article? And I think our, perhaps our biggest challenge these days is how do we actually talk to each other? Because this isn't going to go away Mm-mm. if we don't. And we have really two different visions of what it will take to make this go away. We can all agree we want our freedom back. That's what we're all after. But what does it take? to actually get our freedom back. One group says it's compliance and the other group thinks it's resistance. And one of those two, to me, makes a lot more sense and is actually the path back to freedom. And one is a path to tyranny. And I, what I, I guess underestimated when we started this was the will of the people pushing this agenda to continue to blatantly break the law, to censor and to unapologetically just force this on us. And I overestimated the will of the American or global population to see what's going on and stand up and say, Oh, this really smells funny.
0: I know that's what I, um, the beauty, I think, cause you know, obviously I'm not watching anything mainstream. And so watching different things and to see what is happening across the world, like mm-hmm. in Australia, that's scary. Right. But then to see yes. that there are people standing up saying no more, the same mm-hmm. thing throughout Europe. And so I feel like we're finally seeing the tide shift, but mm-hmm. even, you know, my background is as a chiropractor. And so it was one of those things that 15 years ago, I remember talking with patients saying, you know, you got to realize there's a 2020 agenda, every man, woman, and child vaccinated. Like that's where we're going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Christian, on telling you, like I'm living like, as we lived through it. I didn't even mm-hmm. realize, even though I had been saying it for 15 years, that we were living through it until it was a conversation with my dad one day. And I was like, well, they have this agenda. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lisa, like you just lived through this. They just did it. And you didn't even yes. realize that you were living through it. Like, so, but it is the beauty of the people waking up. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that and that people are understanding their freedom with us.
1: Yeah, what's what's great I think is the traffic is all one way right now. It's not that people have been kind of skeptical of pharma and and modestly distrusting of Fauci or they've been like, you know, I kind of like censorship. And then switched and like, you're like now I like censorship. Now I believe it. Now I, okay, with all this going, I finally Great. trust pharma. It's only the opposite. Yes. And they have so eroded the percentage of people who are just willing to blindly follow anything. And now we're in this forced, this coercive, disgustingly coercive attempt to make us all bend to their will. Their, their goal is just yeah. to keep this going until they break our will. Yeah. And once we realize, to your point, the history that is behind this, the examination of the patent records, mm-hmm. the clearly stated agenda with very detailed plans, we're not making up and hypothesizing about what they might yeah. be trying to do. They've been doing this under, they've been making fun of us in through the Simpsons episodes even, Yes. letting us know this was coming. And we've been completely oblivious to the, yeah. the fact that it's happening. And, and to your point, yes, I'm glad more of us are finally waking up.
0: Yeah. And it's taking, it's taking podcasts like this, it's taking all of these little things that each one of us doing something little. And that's what I think my message has become because I've seen mm-hmm. so many chiropractors. Like we've got a chiropractor here in Michigan running for governor. I've mm-hmm. got one of my friends that is exploring the possibility to run for state senate in California. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's these people like we all have full-time practices. Being in politics is never anything that was on their vision board. But you know, what my theme has been, it takes us standing up, even if our voice shakes. To be able to share that, and so how about let's? I wanted. I mean, we can talk about stress, and we can talk about all of this, but I really like this conversation. So, can we talk a little bit more about your article and exactly like some of like let's let like, pick out a couple of the the reasons why you have chosen not to do this for people that you know might think we're crazy listening to us. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're probably tuning in if you're thinking opposite of us, but hey, if it is like. Here's the the reality is that I want people to be a-okay with having the conversation Mm -hmm. because that's what I found out over like this last year with COVID, even in my practice, like people are mean, like, let's stop being so mean.
1: (laughs) Both sides. It's
0: not just one. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. And let's just be human again. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. No, we've, we don't, we so rarely see civility and level-headed fair dialogue modeled if ever. And so we have no frame of reference for how to pull it off. It's a giant skills gap in our collective population. We have argumentative, logical reasoning, but we're bullies with it. And we don't know how to relate to humans and how to actually genuinely look for our blind spots. So yes, happy to have conversations about that and all the things I laid out in the article. So which ones in particular, or what, you want me to start with just some of the reasons that I, yeah. Let's go
0: through some of those. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Some of the ones that most people will say, okay, that's fair, is you know, the where I started the article, is just the recognition that the vaccine makers have no liability for their products. And if they're unwilling to accept responsibility for the products that they make when they know they can injure and kill people, no one disputes that some vaccines, all vaccines, injure and kill some percentage of people. They don't dispute that. But what they want is blanket liability protection. And we have to just accept this concept of minority harm. It's okay, like some people are going to be hurt and injured by it. But you know, in this case, if it happens to you, it stinks to be you, there's no legal recourse for you, you should just accept that. And when you understand, okay, that's the matrix, you can sue them for fraud, but you can't sue them for injury or death. And then when you understand that the companies that we have entrusted with billions of dollars to make these products also have a very checkered criminal past. Yes. They are all repeated convicted felons, which it, what it means, logically, we can take people to court, take these companies to court for other drugs they have made for Vioxx and Celebrex and thalidomide mm-hmm. and opiates and whatever. We, we know they have done things because we can force them to disclose their internal documents and we can look at them and say, oh, you knew you were going to kill people and it was just a business decision. You knew that you were going to do this, but you willfully did it and brought it to market anyway. And when that information shows up in court, they lose and they pay the biggest fines in criminal history. And we then go, oh, but yeah, but when they do that with vaccines, of course they wouldn't do it. Then there's no way they like, we should just give them blanket trust like an abusive lover who has repeatedly brutalized us and then just assume that now they won't do it anymore because the judge said they don't have liability. Like that's just such a far leap in logic. And most people, if you can reason with them level-headedly about those two things, they're like, yeah, that, that does... It is a decent reason. I can see why at least it gives you pause. And then if you get into how they were made and the rushed science behind it and the fact that they, every single, I didn't get into this in the 18 reasons, i learned this since then, every single aspect of what is supposedly new or novel about this new virus was patented way before (laughs) SARS-CoV-2 ever was a thing. Well, okay, then what does that tell you about this thing being an agenda if it wasn't new? Right, And what are we actually dealing with? So some of the, the, the other things I mentioned is just the lack of transparency in the data and the gaps that they give you of not telling you what's actually in these. That Just last week at Pfizer, um, at, through the FDA, was they, the ingredients that are supposed to be listed on the insert in their new supposedly approved vaccine, they've just blocked, they've redacted like 20, 22% of the ingredients in it. They won't even tell you what it is. It's, and they are, these are the same people that signed this Fake transparency pledge at the beginning of this. Whole thing. Right. Come on. Yeah, yeah. No. You have no liability. Like you have that. a checkered <laughs> past, and you want me to just trust you that whatever you redact off the ingredient list is, it's really for your benefit. No. Right. So, yeah, there, there's 18 of them, and I can go into more. But which ones jump out to you? Or are there particular ones you want me? To oh my gosh, all of them. I think now?
0: my biggest thing, my aha. Um, and again, trying to figure out at what time period this was last year, I feel like it was like March. It was early on, like right as we were shutting down, maybe it wasn't maybe March, maybe it was April, Mm -hmm. but I remember hearing about Paul Offit. Right. And so in, in my world, um, Paul Offit, you know, for those that don't know, this is a medical doctor that has the patents on a lot of vaccines. This guy makes a ton of money. And so I read somewhere that office said we don't have messenger RNA vaccines for a reason. We do not do this. We will sh- we like we will never have a messenger RNA vaccine like I'm paraphrasing all this, right? Mm-hmm. But um, he said, look into the research of the first mRNA and then look into why we don't have a vaccine for AIDS and he just went through and I was like, holy smokes, if this is the man mm-hmm. that makes, makes a sense. ton of money and he's saying, no, I need to look into this because we know this is where it's going. Mm-hmm. And then when I started learning about you know the first <laughs> trials, And that's where I think this is the conversation. Even just last week I had with somebody because, you know, as a practitioner, I'm seeing certain things in patients. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's just one of those things that as they come up, I'm like, Hey, out of curiosity, have you had any of the shots? Well, why? Yeah. Why did you say that? And I'm like, Oh, because I'm seeing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're like, wait a minute, really? And I'm like, well, it's the same reason. Like I'm by the university of Michigan. I'm like, you know, last year, this, whatever, after this has started coming out, which I guess it's not last year again, time-wise, but, um, the radiology department there stopped doing mammograms because of all the false positives. Right. am like, it's just, all of us as practitioners are noticing different things. We're learning it. And they're like, well, how come, wait a minute. I don't understand. I'm like, well, you are the science experiment right now. Mm-hmm. Like we're figuring this out. There were no animal studies in this trial. Like it's just a whole nother issue. I'm like, it mm-hmm. went straight to humans. Mm-hmm. And then they look at me and like, I'm a clinical trial right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I like, you don't know this. Come yep. on. Like you signed the form. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we can dig into the, how about that with the messenger RNA, like uh, the, the first trials, not to freak people out if you did get the shot, but
1: yeah, well, the, I mean, the ugly history of attempted coronavirus vaccines for the last 20 years have all ended in utter failure. And with caution is warranted in proceeding to humans because they'll either injure or kill all the mice or civets or ferrets or macaque monkeys that are in this. Um, in these studies, and they never end up doing anything positive. But you know what? COVID's here, so we're just going to trust that it works this time. Like It's such blind faith. And to your point, Paul Offit came out. It's Peter Hotez is another one who are both respected vaccine developers, and they both said, we got to pump the brakes because we've never been able to pull this off. What makes us think we're going to be able to do it now? And what's so egregious, in my mind, both of them have flipped their perspective, which makes me wonder if they sold their soul and if there's any price that could buy it back. But- What's so egregious is that we have completely ignored the safety signals that are in VARES. The volume, I just, if you just watch the FDA approve the, or discuss the approval of this new shot or the boosters, and you see that one of the people just mentioned the volume of VAERS data. It is so exponentially, it is just, you look at it in a graph and you're like, well, that sure is an aberration. The tens of thousands of people dying from this or being injured from hundreds of thousands of people being injured, We have stopped other vaccine programs for a few dozen deaths. And now, right, swine flu, exactly, 1976. We have stopped other ones for when safety signals arose. And now we are just sweeping all of them under the rug, the heart inflammation, the infertility, the random tremors and seizures and anaphylaxis. And, eh, you know, it's just anecdotal. And, And the appalling lack of respect for a process, one, to develop it, two, to monitor the safety. It's just, it's beyond comprehension. And if that, the hard part, I think for people is, who have gotten it is just the, well, what does it say about my own judgment that I would fall for that? Or what does it say about the people that lead us that they would be that kind of evil is the best word for it. And that is such a set of painful questions to wrestle with because it it has such huge implications. And I think part of our mutual challenge is to step back and create a comfortable space to wrestle with what that then means, that people would be that sinister in the the pushing of an agenda, or that we would be as trusting as we were. And how do we reconcile that, not be too hard on ourselves, pick up with where we are and move forward? That's a a, a tough set of questions, but I don't know of a better path forward because we're going to have to start dealing with your point. People are coming in injured. I have a client who is a doctor in Australia, actually, and is seeing three or four people every single day who are vaccine injured. That is, her her business is exploding, not because she wants to, because there's so many people that are hurting from these now and don't know where to go. So those of us who know what's happening, it's our job to, to kindly create the space to wrestle with these emotions and to dig in and do the work, finding the ways to help people overcome this massive amount of injuries. Um, so one of the things I put near the end of the article was a a talk done by a a doctor named, uh, Vandenbosch. And he just talked about his, he used to work for Gavi or, um, the Bill Gates Foundation, just a lot of, he's got one of the most credentialed resumes in vaccine development in, in the world. And he looked at this and said, we are, this is the opposite of what we're doing and we need to stop it immediately because we're putting selective pressure on this and we're, actually weakening the immune system and making it likely that we're going to create a drug or viruses that are resistant to any treatment we have ever come up with. And by golly, he's starting to look like a prophet. Right. Um, so yeah, there's so many areas which this um, narrative just doesn't make sense. But I think our ability to have the compassion and empathy and the conversations is, is where we start to win this. So
0: I agree. Let's go down that road because I think that's um one of the conversations like if somebody is listening right now and they've had the shot or their loved ones have had the shot I don't want you to go into a freak out mode mm-hmm. and um let's talk about creating that space on how we can help um heal not just physically but emotionally and and that per- perspective.
1: Yeah, well I mean I boy, I'd love to think I have all the answers for that but right. I can hopefully at least get us started. So some yeah. of this uh, you know the the challenge is our deep-seated, often unconscious need to be connected, and if, if we recognize that that sometimes it's almost like gangs or other, like even you could talk about medical residency or the way the military, um, they have certain standards of things like we've always done the running and the sit-ups and the mile run, and so you all have to do that, even though there's plenty of better ways we could do that. You all have to, in residency, you, you got to suck it up and work get stupid long hours all times of night and hope you know you're in the hospital. Do you want that kind of person working on you? Like it's logical that we could come up with a better way to help our medical doctors become proficient at their careers. And and so sometimes it's so entrenched in us that we've always done it this particular way. And if I start to do it differently, what does that then say about me if I change my behavior if i think differently if i interact differently with different people it's like it's we're disassociating ourselves from the tribe and this precedent that has been set for us and to recognize that okay what i actually want is connection with people what i crave is intimacy it's to be loved and for those of us who i would say understand what's going on and we have a a layer of compassion or just this ache of estrangement in our hearts for the people we've been separated from to know that we don't win them back by bullying them with logic and facts, and we, what we do is we show them that we're consistent, that we are loving. Uh, we we will st- will sound crazy until we're just not crazy anymore. Until other people start to drip on them. But I just recently watched a great interview with um, Reiner Fomic and a um, Belgian professor. I can't remember that last. His first name is Mateus, but um, he's. A professor of psychology, or his field of study is in mass psychosis or mass formation and helping people understand what it is that makes people susceptible to that and what it is that slowly starts to pull them out of it. And several different great points in that, but he, he recognizes that this is literally like hypnosis. And the only voices that get through are the handlers. Like the rest of us have a hard time penetrating that armor, but what stops it and arrests it and eventually breaks that spell. Is a conversation with with another trusted voice where you do it with laced with empathy and love and compassion and a removal of a, a hard line of I'm going to keep talking until you finally wake up and bend to my will. If we're actually pushing people away when we do that. So welcoming our friends and family back into a space that feels like they're coming home, yeah. that feels like it's safe here, that feels like um, it's okay to talk about this, and when we're done, we're still going to be friends and um, also a posture of, I don't know everything any more than you do. Like there's so much, all of us have to learn. Right. And I genuinely crave to talk to more people who are deer in the headlights following the mainstream narrative. Cause I really want to understand what is it that yeah. it, what, what questions do you have for people like me? Why, why do I sound so weird? Help me understand, um, what it would be like, um, living in, in your head. How do I how do I understand yeah. that? And 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 I think a sincere effort to know that, to understand where someone's coming from is appreciated. It's not, you go on Facebook, you just get blasted with oh, trolls, right? But, mm-hmm. but to have a real conversation with somebody who actually wants to know you and who genuinely asks thoughtful questions, it is disarming, it does give us a bridge. And um, the more we can model that, the more we can recognize it's not gonna happen overnight. We're, right. gonna, have to, we're gonna have to work at this. and let a zinger of a question run through someone's head for a month before they go mm-hmm. maybe i have missed something here yeah. so
0: and it's just creating the communities right i think that mm-hmm. was something i was listening to last night with a couple of different doctors that had just said finding that community of like minded people even mm-hmm. um, i know like with as you're talking about is going and the ones that don't think like us but also having that support system
1: mm-hmm. of
0: like minded people too oh, as well man. so i important. think that's so huge Right yeah. and creating this the, the communities. I think that's the beauty of this last year is being able, being able to connect over mm-hmm. Zoom with mm-hmm. people all over. Just like the conversation right now, right? right. That um, to be able to to realize there are other like minded people out there. Yes. <laughs> sometimes we do feel like we're in our own little. No, bubble. and that's
1: they want it, The, the people puppeteering <laughs> this agenda want us to feel that way. Yes. Um, what is what was so refreshing and hopefully encouraging to your audience for me was when I published that. 18 Reasons article. I really braced for a lot of hatred, and what I got was almost exclusively the opposite. It is, it's it's hundred to one in terms of number of people who say thank you versus you idiot. And I have met so many amazing people: doctors, scientists, lawyers, nurses, people from all across different walks of life who legitimate, legitimately just stepped out and said thank you for saying what I could not say. And I have found um, I, I get to be somewhat of a voice that people go, "Oh, I'm not crazy," and and. A lot of the clients we've collected over the last several months, as you can imagine, have been like, God, good. I can be, I can speak freely here. And yes. even on our group coaching calls, we have you know differences of opinion. And it's been a fun slash challenging exercise for me to say, how do we stay civil here? How do we speak freely and learn from each other? How do we genuinely get fascinated with another person's perspective how do we look for like oh my delivery was kind of not great there and to be able to create that but to your point sometimes it's just knowing and finding people who are freedom loving who who i would say are awake to the agenda and plugging into them oh my gosh that we you know we get a new client or two every so often and they the first group call they come to they're like oh wow i didn't like you don't understand how Desperately, you've been craving and emotionally starved of meaningful connection until you're put back in it. Uh, my wife and I, you know, we recently went, you know, December, January last year, we went out to Florida, went to the beach, and my wife described like, just this wave of emotion like, oh, it's just so good to be, to see faces and be around people again. And without recognizing, how far we had come and how weird it had gotten to not see it. And when, so yes, my, I I echo your encouragement to people get connected with people who get it. If you have to find them online, if you have to call them on the phone, do it. You will feel sane rather than like the only sane person in an insane asylum. And then you start to wonder if you're the crazy
0: one. Right. And it is so much of all of us have lost that connection over the course Mm -hmm. of the last year and a half. And it was, um, I remember my first trip down to Florida, you know, being up here, it was a whole different lifestyle. And um, I remember walking into like a coffee shop with one of my friends and she was like, it's like, you have PTSD right now, Lisa, like, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was, and, and that's what I had to recognize that, Mm -hmm. that even though like I had been living a certain way, like there was this emotional, like literally a PTSD type response and walking in someplace without everybody being masked and everything else, right?
1: No, it really so. is. Yeah. My, my wife recently had a friend visit from another city where there's a really heavy oppression of, there's only one way. If you don't think this, you are just ridiculed and mm-hmm. um, you've, you've lost all your friends. And that, that person came to visit and her and Nina went to the beach together. And that woman just held Nina's arm and just to walk, like, it was just such a, you feel disoriented and uncomfortable and like you're being judged. And, and to, to realize that, Oh, this used to just be what life was like. To, right? And you're right. It, PTSD is not a mislabel or an exaggeration. It mm-hmm. is precisely that and more. It is so um, traumatic, and so sneaky. Traumatic is the is the sinister part of it because it happens slowly. They just slowly take freedoms. We slowly, like if they started beginning of last year and said you know, we're going to have a mandate and you're going to have to follow it. And if you don't do what we say, you're going to, we're going to make you quit your job. That would have been a mass revolt, like, but they did it so slowly and over time and just kept two weeks to flatten the curve. Are we there yet? Like how many, and so (laughs) they do it over time to where you don't realize you're being traumatized and Mm -hmm. how much you miss it and need it. And I think so much of the tension that gets built up is just a unconscious loss of connection that then. The the weirder we the the more time we spend alone the weirder we get. Yeah. If you want to crack anybody, put them in solitary confinement, and they will break. It's the cruelest thing we've come up with, mm-hmm. and we're our, our leaders are, I would say, intentionally using that as a tool to divide us. And there's enough <laughs> videos and emails of them intentionally doing this. they like, okay, it's happening. Rather than like mm-hmm. theorizing that it's that, we know they're doing it. Yeah. And yeah, the, we can plug back into community. Um, it is an accelerated path to healing
0: absolutely. And turning off the TV, I think is one of the biggest things like that was yes. something when I was listening to a little podcast last night, and they had just said, for those of the people that don't realize to sit here and think of like the music that they tune everything to, like this is working at a whole subconscious level oh, that, yes. you know, I mean, I've said for years, you know, outside of Detroit, like, don't watch the news, but then I have you heard the study? They talked about this on the podcast and they said, they looked at university of Michigan, actually did studies with little kids and they just had them playing versus Mm -hmm. when they were playing and they put the news on in the background that it wasn't even that loud and what happened with these children. And then they became like, I don't want to say violent, but more, you know, as a child could become violent. And it was like, just from having the news on in the background running. And it was like, if that's happening in our children subconsciously, like, how is this affecting us 24-7? And again, the common thing I'm, I've said a lot on the podcast, I can tell exactly, regardless of where I am, who is watching 24-hour news because of their entire body language in comparison to something else, right? So, Yeah,
1: yeah I had not heard that study. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me. There's well-honed psychological tools of fear and manipulation that universities have been studying for a long time. And they even at the beginning of this, they were publicly talking about Trying to figure out which political tactic or which shaming, you know, bullying, uh, do it for your friend. They have so many different tools. They're just going to try to deploy and see which ones are the most effective. And yet, yeah, to me, the, some of the most sinister part is what they're doing unapologetically to children. And even if you just look at the death rate from these from for kids, it the vaccine legitimately is more harmful than ever catching COVID would be for these kids. And they're doing the same thing with masks. It, it the the myopic nature of what they promote or what they tell us is that it doesn't matter what measure we take, it is justified because we have to beat this virus, never mind all the collateral damage of the psychological trauma, the isolation, the missing of people passing from this life to the next or whatever, the the businesses that close and so on. It's all worth it for this cold that has a 0.2% death rate, right? So,
0: So, and that's where, I mean, I was even speaking with a teacher yesterday and they mm -hmm. said, in looking at uh, students right now and realizing that it's kindergarten, first and second grade that have never had a normal year of school. And she Mm -hmm. said, that's a lot. And then to realize that the third graders that were coming in, she said, they, their handwriting is horrible. Because I didn't even realize it, but it's for the last year. I said, well, what's, you know, let's just not even look at that. But I said, I even had somebody a couple of weeks ago looking at me saying, just put the mask on. It's not that big of a deal for a kid. And I was like, holy smokes! these children are learning to speak right now. Like it's Mm -hmm. not that big of a deal for them. Okay. Let's talk about this. Let's like, let's see what's going to happen 10, 20 years down the road with this whole generation of children that just spent the last year and a half outside of school. And now you're throwing a mask on them while they're trying to, you know, physically develop, like, come on. Yeah, it it is. It's
1: unfortunate. And I know we can go back and forth about all the trauma and drama and abuse that is the masks and the, the agenda. And I think at the end of the day, what we have to step back and say is, okay, there are systems that this agenda is not going to quit. They are going to continue to do this until they have broken our will or until enough of us say no, and it becomes impossible to run businesses, and the economy shuts down, and mm-hmm. and the pushback is so strong. But I think where we where we win this is that we start to unplug from the systems that are undergirding the way that they are trying to build us a prison. So to, if that for school, that means homeschooling is booming right now. <laughs> like, yes, we is. opt we opt out of mm-hmm. the public school system. Mm-hmm. Read the book "Dumbing Us Down." If you don't think. Uh, there's something wrong with the public school system. Um, but we, we opt out of all of this is journalism has to be rebuilt. Uh, go through the list of education, et cetera, farming, all of it. We're, we're starting over and we're going hyper-local. So the more you can take back control, the more you can start a side hustle. Find, go on and Gab has a job board for people who aren't vaccinated. You can get a job here. Like Find a way to opt out of the systems that are trying to enslave you know that have a plan b is a great idea for everyone right now but know that there is life after this there is life after struggle that the sky is not falling it could get dark and it will be a bumpy ride for a while but the way we win this is just we it's the simplest thing we say no that's a complete sentence no make them make you don't give any ground you don't have to go pick a fight you just say no and you we make their systems irrelevant by using different systems we we know our neighbors, we know their local businesses, we buy food from people we trust. We have more autonomy with our land and our homes and our schooling and where we decide to get our media. Stop paying for cable to lie to you every day, turn it off. Stop using the platforms that are censoring and being mad at them for doing it, leave. Mm-hmm. If, if they're doing that, they don't give them the dignity of your presence. And the more that we start doing that, that's where we start changing it. And, and we stop traumatizing our kids because we're showing that we're modeling a healthy way to relate to our fellow humans that is, um, I mean, I, it sounds funny to say, it, but I could not think of a more exciting time to be alive, like the yeah. opportunities that are everywhere and the number of people that are going to need help and the um, opportunity to shepherd my kids through this in our home with yeah. um, reasoning skills and health skills and, and to help them model for the next, for their peers and for this generation, um, what it will take just to opportunity for leadership that we have right now is amazing.
0: I love that. Yes. And that's what I've always said. I feel like we all chose to be here at this Mm -hmm. time period, right? Like how amazing is that? Right. Well, Christian share with them where they can find more information about you.
1: Sure. Yeah. You can check out my blog. It's called deconstructing conventional. So deconstructingconventional.com is where you can find me, that 18 Reasons article that you mentioned. I've also written a couple other COVID-related articles, and then I've been asked by a lot of people to write an update to the 18 Reasons article. So that's in the works, and next two or three weeks, hopefully, that will be done. But um, you can also check out our coaching business. We have a coaching business at truewholehuman.com. Um, just get to know how we help people. We're about as holistic as anything you've ever seen. I couldn't tell anybody how to <laughs> create a job like this. I just made it up and I love this work. So take a little quiz there, kind of help you understand that common problem of, I know what to do, but I can't make myself do it. We have a little quiz there to help you understand that. And, uh, you can opt into our mailing list, uh, at the bottom of any blog post or by taking that quiz and you can reach out to me, Christian at true
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. You got it. Did you like that episode? I absolutely love having the opportunity to interview some of the best and brightest guests and to share them with all of you. So if I may ask you a huge favor, I would love it if you went on over to Apple Podcast and gave us a review. I personally read each and every one of them as they come in, and I am always inspired by your feedback. So I would be so appreciative if you did that. And here is the legalese.